When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight, unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your financial future. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Wealth, the show that gives you straight talk and honest answers. My name is Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and president of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to hear that. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Another great weekend with you here on the radio. You know, Brian, I was thinking just the other day when I was looking at the number of episodes of this show that we've done, we're over 370 episodes now of Growing Your Wealth and more than 130 episodes on the podcast platform. We started this back in 2015. Did you ever think that we would get this far with this show? I really didn't know what to expect. And frankly, the show's gotten, I think, a lot better over the years. I remember early on, I'd kind of cringe when I heard myself. And, <laughs> and now I listen to myself. You know, I hear myself when I'm driving around, too, and sometimes. And, and I go, oh, that's, that's sounds not pretty, bad. That pretty sounds good. Pretty good. You know, so it's kind of like a, a muscle. You know, you keep exercising, exercising, working it, and you get stronger over time. I think that definitely uh, applies to this. Well, in the last seven years since we started this, you know, there were a lot of basic things that we talked about then, but really the focus of the show, although we still talk about those basics, the focus of the show has really changed just a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, it has a little bit uh, kind of ebbed and flowed. I, it was recently that we did 100 almost 100 consecutive quarter hour segments on 100 different topics, 100 different technical topics. And so I don't know that people maybe knew that while it was happening. Of course, if you're driving around, you don't listen to show every week necessarily or whatever. But yeah, we had the, it was a real deep dive into the depths of CPA world and investment world and estates and trusts and business succession and life insurance and Medicare and, and all kinds of stuff like like that. Uh, a little bit drier, but uh, mm-hmm. probably pretty informative, I think, if you're interested in those topics. And now we're kind of shifting more to actually talking about a lot of the topics that are in the new book, right. Seven Steps to Successful Retirement. And kind of about, you know, it's nice to have knowledge about topics. You know, we, we talk about the roots, the roots of a solid financial plan. Well, the roots of a solid financial planner is that you understand the topics, right. that you have that information and it's accurate. It's not inaccurate. So by using those roots myself and for my advisors that work here, we can certainly help our clients. Now we're talking about the bigger picture, the seven steps. It starts with the lifestyle plan. What does that look like? So now we're kind of getting into, okay, how do you apply all this knowledge? So that's kind of the shift that I see that, that we're doing right now. So there has been certainly an evolution of Madrona Financial Services. I mean, back seven years ago, you didn't have as many advisors as you do now. And also these advisors many times are often CPAs. But I want to get back to this great book, Seven Steps for a Successful Retirement. If you'd like to download your copy, you can do it right now. If you like, simply go to madronafinancial.com. Scroll down to about halfway on the website there, and there's going to be a tab that says grab your free copy today for you to download it. Once again, it is Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement, and it is available for you to download today. 
All right, Brian, on today's show, a lot of good things to talk about. We'll be talking about problems that come with working with multiple advisors, understanding what your advisor can and cannot do, also the team principle, and we'll talk about some investing alternatives. But before we get to that, let's cover some current events right now. Interesting figure that I saw the other day, inflation in March was reported at 8.5%, but I heard a figure yesterday that somebody figured it out it's actually more like 28.6%, and this is something that you've been saying for a while. Yeah, over a year I've been saying that inflation has been underreported, and I'll go back to what I've been saying. Would you notice 8% change in the cost of things? Probably not. You probably wouldn't really notice that all that much. But I'm pretty sure that anybody listening has said, well, I've noticed prices have gone way up, and you start thinking about it. Even going to a restaurant, I'm thinking 50 to 100%. Gas, mm-hmm. 50 to 100%. Uh, I just saw that rents in, in Bellevue, 20% year over year. Everything I look at is up way more uh, than what they've been reporting. They've been reporting these single digits over an entire year. Come on. <laughs> We're way beyond single digit percentage change in almost everything that, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, the, the book, uh, How to Lie with Statistics, my favorite book in college. Mm-hmm. This is just another example of that. So somebody's measuring something. And, okay, what's our objective here? Not to spook everybody and think it's not that bad. All right, it's 8%. And someone else says, well, I'm going to measure a different basket of goods. It's 28%. So I don't trust the reports because I know that, you know, I, I can make any answer happen if I have an outcome that I want to have occur. And so we have to be very careful about believing what we're fed sometimes. And I'm not some conspiracy theorist. I'm just saying when I go and pay for things, I'm paying more than I did last year by more than 8%. I think everybody else would kind of go, yeah, that's probably pretty accurate. Maybe they put in my mortgage payment. My mortgage payment didn't go up. My interest rate was fixed. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what they're measuring necessarily when they come up with these figures. But I know inflation is, is pretty nasty. Well, certainly, I mean, I figure that gasoline prices are up uh, somewhere around 40%. And as you said, it just depends upon what you buy. But I'm with you. I mean, I think this has been underreported for quite some time. And as I said, close to uh, 30% is probably a little bit more accurate. When you do income plans these days for people, considering what inflation is, do you consider that it is 28.6% at this point? <laughs> I mean, do you consider that this is going to last forever or is it just transitory? Yeah, I, I don't know where that 28% figure came from. I don't know. Know where the eight percent figure came from, and of course, it ebbs and flows. Depends. You know, inflation depends on what you spend your money on. Again, if if most of your money spent on a fixed rate mortgage, well, then you're probably okay. But certainly, the figures that I'm hearing are just all over the board. So yes, we have to factor in inflation, and that's one of the things that I notice people that do it themselves, financial plans, often miss is things like inflation or income taxes on required minimum distributions later in life or increases in Medicare costs and so forth and uh, nursing home and, and all that kind of potential expenses that could happen. So yeah, we do factor it in. We have to put a number in. So I'm not going to say inflation's transitory right now. I'm going to say that we would have a number that over the last 10 years in our thing would be actually above what it actually was because we had some very low inflation and we kept having it show higher in our plans every year. 
Now we have inflation is higher than what we're showing, but the average kind of works itself out. So you kind of got to go with the averages on this stuff because we're, we're projecting over a lifetime. But that is a consideration. And that's why a lot of times we have to consider if our income sources are such that they're not all fixed, that they have some kind of variability mm-hmm. to account for inflation. Yeah, some sort of inflation fighter. I remember a couple of years ago we were discussing inflation and we were talking about it being, you know, 2%, 2.1%. So, I mean, this is a drastic change and it's something that I think most people are concerned with whether they're pre-retirement or are in retirement. Also in the news, again, you cannot look at a newspaper. Who looks at a newspaper these days? Some people do, but I do uh, read the internet and I look at TV. Recession on everyone's mind. Is recession imminent? And if we do have a recession, should we be that really worried about it? Well, recession is a macro topic. So in, in college, we took microeconomics and macroeconomics. Macroeconomics is kind of the global thing, the, the U.S., okay, uh, change in GDP. And it's important when you're projecting tax revenues or, or something of that nature, um, more so than it is for the individual. For the individual, we're talking microeconomics. Does that label to the economy matter to you? Well, it may or may not. And very often, you know, if, you, if your job is dependent on some of this kind of stuff, it, it could matter a lot. You might lose your job. If your job is not dependent on the GDP of the United States, you know, it doesn't affect your job at all, then I don't know that you care that we label it a recession. So, and, and the fact that, you know, I said, okay, the GDP dropped two quarters in a row. It just came out. We're in a recession. That doesn't mean somebody's just going to go into your bank account and take half your money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, does that affect you? And, and we did have a recession recently, uh, post-COVID. It was a, technically a recession. And a lot of people's finances were negatively affected. And a lot of people were positively affected. And so that term recession, yeah, uh, nobody likes to hear that term. And it's not a good thing, big picture, but whether it affects you or not, you know, that's part of the planning process. We're, we're a micro planner, not a macro planner. I'm not planning the, the future tax revenues of the United States government. We're, we're trying to figure out the future uh, cash flow and, and growth and security and lifestyle and taxes and everything of the individual that we're working with when we're creating the financial plan. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs about current events, what's going on in the economy, what's going on in the market. Brian, I've recently seen that there were some job layoffs at companies like Peloton and Wells Fargo, and people begin to worry that, well, if we do have a recession, it's going to turn into a depression. Nobody's going to have work. What has to happen before a recession turns into a depression? And have we learned so much in the past to prevent a depression? Well, depressions are just, uh, they, they have a particular percentage of drop in the GDP. I haven't heard that word thrown out there, really, certainly. I would suspect that we have a lot more tools that we can use to kind of guide the economy. That's what the Fed is supposed to help doing. And, and I, you know, I see, a, you know, there's job losses. But on the flip side, I know that there's a ton of employers looking for good employees. Yep. So in any economy, it shifts. Things shift. We used to have an agrarian economy, and and now you know. Then we went to the the big city and the office workers economy and the technology economy. And okay, maybe we don't need as many people making pelotons or, or selling pelotons or whatever. Right. We need them doing something else. 
the trades. The trades are in desperate need of people that, that can do things to fix things around your house or your cars or whatever. Desperate need for that. So it, it's kind of well, it's kind of funny that we shifted out of the trades worlds, it seemed uh-huh. like. Yeah. Back in the 50s, you know, there were a ton of people that could fix stuff. Now I don't know anybody, hardly anybody that can right. fix anything. And so maybe there'll be a shift back to that. I don't know. But the jobs are going to shift and economies shift and supply and demand shifts all the time. And so, yeah, there will be areas that, that go down and at the same time, other areas will go up. And that's a good point, too. We went from an agrarian society to the industrial age. Now we're in the tech age. And, you know, I talked about Peloton. Probably there are uh, more people needed to fix your house than there are to build $5,000 exercise bicycles for people. <laughs> I think you're spot on there. Yeah. And that's I think that's a good point. That and I don't know that we need, you know, 8 million people to design websites and do, you know, whatever. I, I need somebody to fix my house, though. So I need oh, yeah. a good plumber or a good electrician or or somebody that can understand the the brains between my Crestron system or whatever it is that yeah. I have in my house, they're, it's hard to find right now. So I hope that people that are maybe thinking about their career and their younger people uh, consider the trades. If that's oh, if, yeah. you're, if you're good at that, there's that's going to be a lifetime employment uh, these days. I think. Well, I'm finding that there are shortages of auto mechanics. I go, you know, to get my car fixed, even just a minor thing, and it seems like you know, well, we can get you in two weeks from now, and you know, your car may sit here for another couple of weeks. Everybody's saying we can't find good people to hire, so we're uh, in a different era of employment these days. You're we're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs here on Growing Your Wealth. Have you ever noticed how even the biggest of these trees around here in the Pacific Northwest can fall at any time after a big storm? Well, it's not because of their size, but because of the lack of the depth of their roots. You know, your wealth is the same. Too many retirees, I think, experience significant life changes because they lacked depth in their financial roots. It takes more than income planning to get what you want in retirement. If you want to check the health of your financial roots and determine if they can sustain the quality of life that you want for 30 plus years, go to madronafinancial.com and click on the bottom to get started to request your rooted wealth analysis. Madronafinancial.com. Click on the button to get started and get your rooted wealth analysis. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we'll be talking about problems that come from working with multiple advisors. And Brian, I hear that old saying, you know, too many chefs in the kitchen. Everybody's got their own recipe. Everyone has their idea about doing things. And really, when you have too many people working on one thing, it can lead to no good because nobody can agree with that. What are some of the other reasons why you may not want to have multiple financial advisors? Well, one of the things is that we've talked about this before. You know other advisors across the country, Jeff. And, yeah. And you were just commenting that you guys are completely 180 from each other very often. Like, I'll, I'll be talking about DSTs, and you'll talk to somebody, oh, I don't I don't use DSTs. And it's like, well, why not? Well, I, I, I don't like them. They don't understand them. They don't understand them. Or somebody that only thinks annuities are okay. Well, maybe they're okay in, for part of your portfolio and 
many situations, but often they're not okay or they're the wrong ones. You were telling me about an advisor that was selling an annuity to a lifetime income annuity is somebody in their 70s. I'm like, why would he do that? <laughs> they need liquidity, not that kind of a, a small monthly check, you know, for the rest of their life at that point in life. They're going to need liquidity if, if they have an event. And so maybe a different kind of investment might be more appropriate or even a different kind of annuity. And some of the things I heard you, you mentioned that they weren't really telling the truth to that client too. Oh. It just made me cringe. A dis- Deception is just maybe a millimeter below outright lying, and it really related to a bonus. Oh, yeah, that's what you were talking about. With annuities, I've, I've heard these salespeople out there saying, I've got one with a 17% bonus. So they're, they're pushing this bonus. And I was sharing with you, Jeff, that when it comes to annuities, the bonuses are essentially pretend money. They're yeah. not money. You can't have that money. It's not real. It's a computational figure. Yeah, but it's 17%. Well, let's see. The example I drew out for you, Jeff, was let's say annuity A has no bonus and you put 100000 into it and they'll give you $5,000 a year, okay, for the rest of your life. All right. So they took your 100000 multiplied it by 5% and give you 5000 a year. But annuity B has a 20% bonus. Which one's better, Jeff, so far? (laughs) Well, it would appear on the surface that annuity B is until you dig further. Ah, yes. So that annuity company also takes that $125,000. So that annuity gives you an extra bonus. They give you that 20% bonus I just talked about that you can't take as money. But then they multiply it by the factor that they use, in this case, 4%, not 5. And they come up with essentially the same $5,000 a year. And you go, wait a second here. (laughs) One had a bonus and one didn't, and I had the exact same outcome. Hmm. What happened? Well, because it's A times B equals C. A is the amount plus the bonus. B is the factor they multiply it by. I've never heard anybody ever talk about the factor that they multiply it by. It's just as important. A is just as important as B. I I was pretty good at math. If it's A times B, A is as important as B is, and B is as important as A is, and we only talk about A. So they lower B. They increase A, lower B to end up with C, (laughs) which is the same in both cases. And so that's a trick. That's a deception. And if you're being sold an annuity and you were told that you got a bonus and were told that you could put that money in your pocket, that's a deception. Now, the only way that you can, you can put it in somebody's pocket. You can have annuities that will pay that out as a death benefit, but you have to die. So I gave you a 17% bonus, but you have to be dead, Jeff. What do you think about that one now? (laughs) Okay. So just understand that uh, not all annuity salespeople are the same. There's a lot of deception out there. And no annuity salesperson has put together their own new annuity. They don't have some market, oh, we have a special annuity that only we can offer. That is not true. I can buy any company's annuities. Uh, or, you know, If I want to sell a fixed index annuity, I just get appointed with that carrier and I can sell you the same annuity someone else could sell you. But is it appropriate? How is it appropriate? Which one's the most appropriate? And certainly if you're being fibbed at or deceived, probably you don't want to work with that person. Yeah. You wonder what else they're not telling the truth about, you know, and as you said, you got to die to get the 17 to 20 percent. But, you know, money, the extra 20 percent doesn't do you too much good at the pearly gates. We're talking with Brian Evans here, Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs in this segment. Problems that come with working with multiple advisors. I would think that communication and, as you said, just general principles could differ completely to have a very negative effect. Absolutely. There will be no communication. Advisors don't talk to other advisors when they're managing your assets. 
They're not going to agree. Uh, they maybe don't even offer the same stuff. And so uh, I talk to advisors that aren't Series 65 licensed. They can't offer DSTs. They can't offer stock market. So all they're talking about is a fixed index universal life and fixed index annuities to their clients because they don't even offer the other stuff. So they're going to have negative things to say about it. Multiple advisors, because you're going to have different philosophies, they may offset each other and the good philosophy you wanted to follow. And so because there's no plan, there's no integrated plan with multiple advisors. I have had people come to me and say, yeah, I, I like my advisor and, you know, I'm, I might give you some money. I'm like, well, that's not really how I work. Yeah. I want to be your financial advisor on uh, the big picture. I want to look at your taxes. We want to look at everything. And if, if the money's elsewhere, I've had people come to me and go, well, I just want your expertise, but I want most, I don't want to move my money. I'm like, well, that's not fair. And, and I find it odd that people would say, okay, you, you, got, you, you picked up the phone, you called us, you made an appointment, you got in your car, you drove out here to tell me how awesome your advisor is. Hmm. Uh, well, okay, that may be, but why are you here? And why am I <laughs> sitting across the desk from you? And the reason is because your advisor can't answer the questions. They can't answer the tax questions, the trust questions, the state, you know, business succession, real estate, all the stuff that you need and integrate a plan. And so I'm like, well, if you want to work with us, you can, you know, maybe if it's a good fit, we, we will work with you. But it's not a good fit for us when you have multiple advisors and the money's elsewhere and we don't have access to the, the planning on it. And, you know, sometimes the, the CPAs that are being used, it's okay to have another CPA. That's no problem at all. I just need a tax return to look at. Right. But another advisor, that makes it pretty difficult to do proper financial planning. Well, if I'm hearing you correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, it seems uh, rather strange, but have you had people who have come to you and just want your advice, and then they want to take that advice and tell their current advisor what to do with that? I mean, why, as you said, why are they here? If they trust you and they think you've got some good things to say, are they really coming to pick your brain and then go back and tell their advisor what to do? Yeah, that used to happen a lot, actually. Huh. And so, yeah, I do all the work, do all the education, do everything for them, and then I give them the the free plan, and they go, thank you very much. They went back to their advisor, and, <laughs> and so this is. is what he said. Okay, can you do that for me? Because, you know, maybe they were just didn't want to let their advisor go. Right, right. And their advisor was maybe giving them grief about it. I promise you, no advisor is going to starve to death when they lose your account, or at least they shouldn't. It's okay to move your money to where you think it will be best taken care of. A lot of people don't move their money just because it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's 50 ways to leave your lover song. They don't want to have to do that. It's too hard for them. They have a personal relationship with their advisor and they go golfing with them and all this stuff and they just can't bring, you know, even if they don't think their advisor is able to help them properly, they just can't bring themselves to break up with their advisor and move the money. They just, they just can't. I understand that. That's a very strong emotion. And, you know, we can draft letters to the advisor and, and so forth that you would sign or whatever. The process is easy to move the money, but maybe the decision is hard for the individual. Yeah, if someone comes to you and they want to come with you as an advisor, they've got an old advisor, as you said, you will sort of draft that uh, very simple Dear John letter that basically says, you know, times change, our needs change, and we just feel that we're better served by a different advisor. So don't be worried about that. We're talking with Brian Evans here at Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Brian, another thing when you're working with multiple advisors is that there is a strong possibility that you may not have the right diversification in your portfolio. 
Yeah, that's where that overlap kicks in and the type of products that are available. And, and one of the things about advisors, I think like insurance people say, well, I'm a fiduciary advisor. I'm like, well, okay, but you sell insurance products. That's that's all you do. So I, I don't know that you're really an advisor, as I would term as a, an advisor, any more than someone's a doctor because they put a Band-Aid on their kid's owie. Okay, that doesn't make you a doctor. You, you're doing doctor-like things, I guess, but <laughs> you're not really a, a doctor. And, and uh, to me, you're not really an advisor. If you're just putting people in a 60-40 stock bond split, because I see these commercials on TV all the time, we're fiduciaries and we care. I'm like, oh, okay, you, you put people into investments, but you don't do the planning. You don't do all the seven steps. You don't figure out the lifestyle plan that you want. Uh, you're just talking about the growth plan. They're not handling the, the taxes. They're not doing the cash flow. They're not doing the, the security part. They're, they're just doing one of the seven uh, pieces of the, the steps to a successful retirement. So that always kind of gets me too. that, you know, if you have multiple advisors, they may not have all, they don't typically, they just don't have all of this stuff in your plan. And so I, I just think it's, it's highly, it should be highly integrated. Being a financial planner should be hard. You should have to take a lot of things into account. It's not just, you know, hitting the button and doing some 60, 40 stock bond split. Yeah. And it's also very likely that the other advisors that you're dealing with are also not CPAs. What are the tax consequences of, you know, things like trades and income? Many times they can't really talk about that. No, they're not licensed. They're, they're not supposed to do tax planning. In fact, they're prohibited by their bosses to not do tax planning. And there's no communication, I, I, I don't think, between advisors and CPAs. My CPAs don't get phone calls from other from clients, other advisors or anything. I never got them when I was just doing CPA work. So I know that communication doesn't happen. And there's so many things. Uh, on our last show, we, we talked about tax return treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. And we were going form by form. And I was just kind of going pontificating on all the things that I see that other people don't see that aren't versed in tax return preparation. And advisors aren't going to be trained to do that. They're not allowed to do that. And so if you don't have tax planning. I I just don't know how you do proper financial advising too. And by the way, if you missed that segment about the 1040 treasure hunt, it is on our podcast last week's show. Simply go to wherever you get your podcast, search for Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans, and it is the most recent show. You'll find it right there. We're talking with Brian Evans here at Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Of course, our program is called Growing Your Wealth. Glad you could join us again this week. You know, your portfolio is such a critical part of your lifestyle plan and your growth plan, which are two of the seven roots that sustain wealth. It's the heart that pumps blood into your quality. Quality of life. If you want to see what a rooted portfolio looks like, rooted meaning it has deep roots and it's designed to withstand the storms that'll come, go to madronafinancial.com and click get started to request your rooted wealth analysis today. It's not going to cost you a dime, but it could make a significant difference in your quality of life. Once again, it is madronafinancial.com and click on the button get started to get your rooted wealth analysis. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth. Time for a break. We'll be right back. I got a couple of listener questions for you, Brian, and much more when our show continues after this. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona bundle of services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. 
Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about your lifestyle plan. And Brian, that is one of the seven steps to successful retirement. We talked about that and getting that analysis online at madronafinancial.com. But let's talk about lifestyle plan. I mean, lifestyle, different things to different people. Yeah, you know, we we talk about uh, investments a lot as a financial advisor and, and, you know, that's what's talked about mostly. But is that really the most important part? So let me give you an example of that. I know we all know somebody kind of fits this bill. I'm not talking about a particular person. I'm going to blend different people together. But I might see somebody that their life, to me, uh, as a you know, as an outsider looking in, doesn't look extremely fulfilling. Maybe they're they're working a lot. They're later in they're in their 70s or 80s. They don't have really great relationships in their life. Their kids maybe they aren't talking to them anymore, and mm-hmm. and they don't really have quality family time. Uh, no faith life. They're not charitably inclined. They don't have really nice stuff, you know, kind of living in the the house they bought 50 years ago and it's not great and they don't go on vacations and they don't. They don't really have what I would call quality of life, what most people might. Maybe they're happy, maybe they're not, but maybe they don't appear very happy. Conversely, you might run into people, you just think, wow, what a great life they have. Their kids visit them all the time. They spend time with their grandkids. They go on vacations together. They live in a nice place. They drive a nice car. They go out. They have fun. They, they're happy. They, they love their church. They love their hobbies. They love their charities. They just have, a, what, a well-rounded, uh, purposeful life. And you might say, okay, those people... They got it going on. But in this case, I'm, I'm thinking about a couple people I know. One of them is worth $40 million, and one's worth probably over $100 million. Mm-hmm. And that was from the first group. The ones that I look at and go, I wouldn't trade for that life for any, well, for the, for the $40 million or the $100 million. Yeah. I would not want to have that life. I want the life of the other person. But they might only be worth $3 million. And you think, well, wait a second. Shouldn't somebody with $40 million be a lot happier and have a better lifestyle than somebody with $3 million? Well, it doesn't really work that way. Money's just a tool. And you can have great tools and lots of tools, but it doesn't mean you know how to fix anything. And so I see this over and over where it's not the people with the most money that are happiest. It's the people with the best lifestyle plan. So right. the, the first root of the rooted wealth analysis is to figure out what's your lifestyle plan look like? When would you retire and what would that retirement look like and how would your life look like if you could plan to have it go the way you want it to go? And, you know, we got to make sure you have enough tools to do that. You got to have some financial resources to generally have some of the things in life that you might want. But there's a lot of things in life that aren't dependent upon uh, excess financial resources. So having that plan, the lifestyle plan, I think is the, the one, probably the key root of the rooted wealth analysis. Well, when you talk about wealth, I mean, it depends upon how you define wealth. As you said, some people define wealth as the number of you know zeros in their bank account, whereas other people have different priorities. And as you said, I think I know some of the people that you're talking about. I've observed them. And even though they may have lots of zeros in their bank account, they're just miserable people. I've never seen these people smile. They're always grumpy, whereas somebody else who may have a million dollars and doesn't have a hundred million dollars is is super happy and they have a, a great lifestyle because wealth to them is more than just money. That's just it. And I mean that and and coming to that realization and I'm coming to it more and more because a lot of my clients have a lot more money than they never thought they would. They grew up without a whole lot and now they have millions and millions of dollars and they're going, what's it for? I don't know what it's for. 
it didn't make me happy in the end. That's not the key to happiness. So, you know, growth of your investments is one of the seven roots because you got to have some financial resources to do some of the things in life. But it's one of seven it's not six of seven. It's, it's just a part, and we got to have it all work together. And so I, I just wanted to, to kind of talk about that for a, a second because as a financial advisor, uh, it can get real easy to just talk about, oh, the market's up this year. Oh, yeah. the market's down this year. Oh, bonds are good. Bonds are not good. You know, just talk about the investments. But unless it's solving the purpose for the money, the money that has a purpose in your plan and what your plan is, it doesn't really matter all that much. Yeah. And as you said, I think it's very important to realize that money is just a tool. And, you know, you can do a lot of good things with money, but consider that it is not the thing that is going to bring you happiness. So I guess the takeaways here are to understand how expensive it's going to be to live the life that you want to enjoy. And if you enjoy visiting family and friends, you enjoy giving to charity, that sort of thing, then, you know, use money as a tool to do that. You want to calculate your income with a distribution plan and build a portfolio that won't compromise your quality of life. Then I guess it's sustaining your wealth too. It's making sure that that income is going to continue to be there. And that's why it's important to have a proper financial plan. I mean, that's certainly, you can, again, we've talked about doing it yourself and and that doesn't always yield a great result. And plus people don't have access to products. So there's different advisors out there, different kinds of advisors. If you're looking for advice, you're saying, oh yeah, I can't access DSTs or private non-traded REITs or fixed index annuities. You can't just go out and buy these things on your own. You have to go through an advisor. Now, advisors come in two flavors. There's the broker-dealer, and they, we, we call it the Series 7 is, is the test they took. And then there's a registered investment advisor representative, which takes a different test, Series 65. We are a registered investment advisory firm with RIA reps licensed here. We are held to the fiduciary standards. So there's your first difference between the two. The broker-dealer channel, which is your Edward Joneses and your Merrill Lynch's and all that, the big companies like that, they are not held to the fiduciary standard. They're held to a suitability standard, which is lower. I don't know why they have two standards, honestly. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm either fiduciary or I'm not. I, I either am required to act in your best interest or I'm not. But somehow, some way, the industry decided, well, we got a kind of almost fiduciary. Yeah. I'm kind of uh, want the best for you, but I kind of don't necessarily have to be. I, yeah. I don't even understand what the difference is, honestly. I come to work and, and my advisors come to work and we're intent on doing the right thing for the client. And so I don't have to concern myself with those. Where's the line being drawn when I give advice? Mm -hmm. uh, is it suitable but not fiduciary? I've always been confused about that. Yeah, you brought up a very good point there, Brian. I was thinking about something I studied, you know, when I got my insurance license, which is captive agent. When you talk about an Edward Jones or Merrill Lynch, or you talk about someone at the bank, they're pretty much captive by the people that they work for in that that is the only product that they can sell. And the reason that they're selling these products is because they make a commission and somebody above them is telling them to sell this product so that the company can make commission. But it isn't necessarily the best thing. I mean, when you come in, they've got dollar signs in their eyes and, you know, how am I going to make money from you? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, if you're a captive agent, I mean, you got you to gotta sell what you're being told to sell. And there's only certain things they can sell. So basically, to keep your job, you can't be talking about how great DSTs are if you don't sell DSTs. You know, you're probably not even going to bring it up. Or you can't talk about something that, that you don't offer. And so that's where, okay, we, we get that's probably a good example of where we get away from fiduciary. Because we, as fiduciaries, don't get paid more or less putting into fund A or fund B or stock C or bond D or whatever, we have to be charging the same amount no matter where it goes if we're uh, investing your money and we have assets under management. We can't get a, an extra commission by putting it with one thing versus another. Whereas if you are not held to fiduciary standard, absolutely, you're, you're getting paid based on what, what you're putting people into and that can influence, obviously it influences it because your boss is telling you what, what you have to yeah. invest in. But boss, I think this other things better. <laughs> I don't care what you think, employee. <laughs> you're going to sell what you're told to sell. Yeah, you have exactly. to. And so I think a lot of people are figuring this out. It used to be when I entered the business, there were hardly any uh, advisors held to fiduciary standard. And now I think it's a majority of them are held to fiduciary standard. But I would contend, even if on paper you're held to fiduciary standard, most of those people struggle if they're talking about something they don't sell, they don't offer. And I just don't know how you can be a fiduciary or held to, you know, really truly be one if you're talking about things that you don't understand, like taxes or products that you don't sell. I don't know how you can truly rise to that level of service. And as a fiduciary, too, you do something that's rather interesting here. When you meet a new client or maybe a client comes in and they say, I've heard about a DST, I've heard about this annuity. What you do in the beginning is you'll sit down and before you do anything else, talk about the positives, you'll talk about why someone would not want to do this. Absolutely. I know we had Nick Smelzer on the show recently and I asked him that question. I said, if you were working a broker-dealer and somebody came in and was talking about the DST and you actually sold them, but you realized that they just had a step up in basis and they didn't need to do one and you told them that, what would happen? Well, I'd lose two things. I'd lose the client and I'd lose my job. I said, that's right. What happens here? Well, I get kudos for figuring it out and not doing the wrong thing. And so that's right. And so it's really important for us to disqualify not only the client or disqualify the investment and figure out the reasons why it would not make sense in a situation. If we can figure that out, great. But then we know uh, we got to check that off the list. If we can't figure out why you wouldn't do it, then we can have that conversation about doing it. Brian, we had a question here from uh, Donna, and I want to ask it right now because I know she's listening and she is a longtime listener to the program. By the way, if you're listening, you want to submit a question to us for Brian and you want us to discuss it on the air, text your question. You can text it to 833-673-7373. Again, text your question to 833-673-7373. You can also send us an email to plan at madronafinancial.com. Brian, Donna wants to know what's the difference between a solicited and an unsolicited discretionary trade? Well, if I'm not held to fiduciary standard and I get paid a commission by putting you in things, I have to call you and get your permission. So that's the old, you know, we, we look historically, oh, stockbrokers call you, hey, I got a hot stock. Let's sell Exxon and, and, and buy Chevron or whatever. So they, they get a commission when they sell, they get a commission when they buy. And so that went on for, you know, 100 years probably. And, and that's what a solicited trade is. Now, we have discretionary accounts. So what we do is 
we're in charge of managing people's money. And we go through the plan, we go through all the all the analysis as to how that mix should be between real estate and annuities and life insurance and stocks and bonds and all the different things. And then we're in charge of that. So we can make those trades for our clients because no matter what we do, we put in all this work, do all this analysis, we do all the study and research and we come up with some trades. We don't get paid anything for that. We don't get a dime extra for making these trades. And so we have discretionary accounts. Our our clients rely on us to have their best interests at heart. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Retirement, it's a time to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, where you want to do it, and how you want to do it. It is all part of the lifestyle plan. And that is the first step in the rooted wealth analysis. If you'd like to find out whether your financial plan is rooted well, simply go to madronafinancial.com, madronafinancial.com, and click on the Get Started button to get your rooted wealth analysis. Once again, it's madronafinancial.com. Time for a break. We'll be right back with more of Growing Your Wealth right after this. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about the team principle. And Brian, you know, when you compare individual sports versus team sports, and let's talk about, you know, tennis versus baseball, football, basketball, something like that, you'll notice that a strong team tends to experience less variability than an individually focused approach. Same really applies here at Madrona Financial. It's not just the Brian show, is it? No, no, it's not the Brian show here. We've got eight advisors here. We have great support staff. We have a CPA firm. We're, you know, mid-30 people working together here. And it is not just the Brian show. Uh, There's a lot of things here I can't even do. I don't know how to turn on the financial planning software or the tax software. I, I don't do that. That's not my role. My role is primarily communication on this. And I'm the lead of the investment committee. Those are my two primary roles. And so the advisor's roles here are to spend the quality time going through our rooted wealth process and getting the financial plans and communicating with clients and so forth. So one of the things I get often is people will call in and go, well, I want Brian as my advisor. And I understand that because you've been maybe hearing my voice uh, all these years. But you see, we work as a team here. I don't have the capacity to meet with everybody and be on top of things and update their financial plans and do annual or semi-annual meetings and, and all of that. I just don't have the bandwidth for that. That's why there's eight advisors here. Mm-hmm. Now, do you lose anything by having an advisor other than me meet with you? No, you actually gain because frankly, I wouldn't have had the time to do those meetings. And the advisors can give more quality time focused on you and your situation, updating things, keeping you informed of things, answering questions along the way. Once in a while, there'll be a question that uh, needs a, a different kind of uh, experience level. And uh, maybe Joel or Christy, who are also CPA advisors, here are are answering that. Once in a while, I'm asked uh, questions. You know, I I get 
certainly uh, consulted on, on cases and so forth. And we'll go over those together with the advisors. Uh, again, I, I am lead of the investment committee. So all the investments are agreed upon by our committee. And we put our model portfolios together. Uh, we, we vet the DSTs, the private non-traded REITs. We have help with our annuity selection and so forth. All that different stuff gets to be part of the process. And so you know, I explain to clients that they're better off having me on the team with an advisor than they are having me without another advisor. And so because, again, the, the qualitative time that can be spent and having an access point that's more accessible than, than my time would be is so critical. So in our, our, in our approach, we do a team concept. We work together. All of our advisors, they're not silos. They're not competing. I, I'm, I would go, I'd chuckle, I'd go to these big companies and walk down the hall and, and you know everybody has an office next to each other. But Bill, you're competing with Fred. And Fred, you're competing with Sally next to you. Yeah, we're all competing with each other for, for the business, and like, but you're in the same bill. You're you're on the same floor. You share the same receptionist, but you're like a little silos competing right. businesses next to each other. That's exactly right because they don't share commissions. And so, uh, you know, in our case, uh, we work together because it works so much better doing it that way. Brian, would you say is it a fair statement to say that the team approach may lead to a higher probability of consistent returns? Absolutely, because. Everybody has access to everything. All of our advisors has access to the CPA firm. All of our advisors has access to the DSTs and the private non-trade, all the research, all the everything, all the product. And and they're acting as quarterback. I mean, you think about it, you know, they'll do a sports analogy here. The quarterback's job is to distribute the ball to the players that, that can do the best with it. So as a financial advisor here, there'll be some tax projections run. Okay, well, send that to the CPA firm. There'll be some discussions on the DSTs. Maybe Nick will be brought in on that to, mm-hmm. to discuss those and and there'll be an analysis of the fixed index annuities. So we have uh, a committee just for that here. We've got a committee on virtually everything. And then if it's going into the model portfolios of the ETFs, we've gone through our committee meetings there and I'm in charge of that one. And we've selected those those already. We know what's in there. We know the components. Different people, different advisors here have different roles researching these and they, we all bring it together. We have our frequent meetings on all of this stuff to come up with a plan. So if you're investing here and you have uh, maybe Matt or Michael or Andrew or Nick or Christy or Joel or Danielle, you know, depending on who your advisor is, you're going to have the same portfolio that somebody else with a different advisor here has. It's not going to be different. People aren't just doing their own thing here. So we work as a team. You will have very consistent returns because primarily because of that, because you're not going to have eight different portfolios because there's eight different advisors. Brian, you had mentioned earlier about the investment committee and you're the head of the investment committee. And that really goes back to the team approach. What is this investment committee and how does it work? Yeah, I think the best way to describe that is if I worked for a larger firm, like I'll just pick on Merrill Lynch here, my input in probably is about 0% as far as how my clients are invested. So I'm, I am their investment advisor if I work for Ever Jones or whatever. I'm their investment advisor, but I'm not sure how much input I really have in the uh, how their money is, is placed. At our firm, since every member of the firm that's an advisor is part of the investment committee, 
we all talk these things through together and everybody has input as to things that, you know, pros and cons, because every investment has pros and cons. And so when we add alternatives or buffered products or different things like that, that we've all had input in that. And so there is a lot, you know, we we keep it in-house. To some degree, everybody outsources to some degree, because we might, let's say I buy an exchange-traded fund, uh, a sector rotation exchange-traded fund. Well, I'm hiring that company, whoever sponsors that ETF to make those decisions. I've chosen that company because I like the, you know, their makeup and their history and so forth, and I think they'll do well. But you know, we're all part of the process, and I think having that, that activity uh, allows us to know what we're investing in so much better than I, I've heard people. You know, they ask their advisor questions: well, "Why'd you pick this?" Well, uh, hmm, I didn't. <laughs> so, uh, what is it? Well, I'm not not positive. <laughs> it's in your portfolio, though. If you're part of that process, you really understand the product a lot better than if you're not part of the process. And when you talk about this stuff, Brian, I would think that the team principal. This is something that is not terribly common. I mean, here at Madrona Financial, you've been using the team principle and, you know, the committee approach for quite some time, but it's really not something that you find most other places. No, it isn't. And it's too bad. I mean, we're all lifelong learners here and we, we like to participate in each other's growth. It just success begets success here. And, and you know, by working together, everybody's on the same page. We, we get better solutions that way. There's better camaraderie. There's better sharing of information. There's it, everything's better. It's better for the client, which is first and foremost. It's better for the advisor's career. Not only will they do better, but they'll have more job satisfaction. So we spend a lot of time on you know underlying factors that create a good environment so we can be good advisors for our clients. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Glad you could join us this week. We've been talking about the team approach and the team principle here at Madrona Financial and, of course, the rooted wealth analysis as well. You know, your portfolio is a, really a critical part of your lifestyle plan and your growth plan, which are two of the seven roots that sustain wealth. It's the heart that pumps the blood into your quality of life. If you want to see what a rooted portfolio really looks like, rooted meaning it has deep roots and is designed to withstand the storms that'll come, then go to madronafinancial.com, click on Get Started to request your rooted wealth analysis today. It's not going to cost you a dime, but it could make a significant difference in your quality of life. Once again, rooted wealth analysis at madronafinancial.com and simply click on the Get Started button. Well, time has uh, escaped us again today. Brian, I want to thank you for your time. Most of all, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. 